What's happening, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of The Beautiful Hustle, the podcast that connects the heart to the hustle of the beauty industry, some people might say. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Philip Procopio. Hello, Jessica Saunders. How are you? I'm really good. Happy to be here today. We haven't recorded in a couple weeks. I know. It's been a while. Yeah. It's always nice to be back. And we woke up to a crazy snowstorm. <laughs> I know. Um, yesterday was 52 degrees mm-hmm. out. I had my sunroof open, Mariah blasting on the radio. <laughs> I bet you did. You know I did. <laughs> I uh, We did yard work. Ooh. Um, we played in the backyard. Um, we got Oscar a Jeep for Christmas. <gasps> Stop it. And it's the cutest. It has like a radio and it's the cutest thing you've ever seen. But he hasn't been able to use it because it's been oh, yeah. winter here. And so we like raked the backyard, cleaned up all this dog poop from the winter, all that stuff, mm-hmm. and let him do laps. And he is so funny. He cranks the classical station. Yeah. And then the other thing that's funny is he drives with one hand and puts his other hand over the seat, like the head. Oh, baller status side. already. I'm like, are you imitating <laughs> your dad or something? Like, what is happening? It's the cutest thing. So, oh, okay. Have you seen those TikToks that's like, what is your childhood like? A, 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 um, not equivalent, but like epitome of wealth. Oh yes, and like like those Jeeps, the Power Jeeps. Wheels. Yeah. When I was a kid, they came out after I was I was too old by the time yeah. they came out, and I was so jealous. Yeah. That's all I wanted as a kid. My ass would have not had one in my childhood. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I would have wanted one, but my parents would have been like, that's nice. Go pedal that bike around the yard. <laughs> You'd have been at the base competition <laughs> <laughs> with your power wheel three. <laughs> well, yesterday, though, I did have like a uh, little embarrassing moment. Mm. Oscar like tapped the seat like, come on, mom, get in. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, buddy, I'm too tall. <laughs> Tall is what I am. And so I'm like, all right, I'll kind of fiddle myself in. And this Jeep goes from going like (laughs) 10 miles an hour to like a half. And it was like, you could hear the little wheels being like, (laughs) trying to spin. And I'm like, oh God, I got to get out of here. That is my nightmare. Yeah, it was fun though. But then today's snowy. I, this is why I love living in Montana though. I'm down for snow. I love a little sunshine. I like the variety pack that we get here. I'm into all seasons. I, you know, I mean, I just think of it. I hate the heat growing up in Southern California. Yeah. Ugh, nothing. And I can't with heat. And so I would much rather deal with this. Yeah. You can always put more clothes on. Yeah. I can only take it off so far. No, well. And then you're still hot. Then it's just a a crime. (laughs) It's actually illegal for me. Sorry, neighbors. (laughs) Um, Okay, before we started, I wanted to read something. Oh, God. And I sent it to you. Did I reply? No. (laughs) (laughs) Shocker. Well, I think I sent you when you were sick last week. Okay. And I just want to read this, even though it's not story time. And this is like a cautionary tale of if you're an owner and have or manager and have thought of doing this, stop listening to this podcast and don't ever talk to me again. Oh, God. This is this is wild. And I have had a boss who would do this. It was from a, a Facebook group for a software system. Oh, you did send me this. So it says, not specifically a Mevo question. Oh, so it's the Mevo group. <laughs> um, but does anyone have any nozzles for their shampoo bowls that measures the amount of water used for your clients? And I stopped reading right there at first and I was like, 
interesting. That would be kind of cool. Environmental. Yeah, I was thinking like eco heads. We've used those. Um, My water bill keeps going up and I want to start charging clients a water fee. Thought about making the stylist use a timer when they turn the water on, but looking for something easier. What? People's brains. Like, okay, we're just going to break down two things real quick. Water fee. The only acceptable fee, I think, to add on to a bill, other than working it into, that's just the cost of business. Like credit card fees. I can't stand that. No. I will stop going to a business yes. who will charge me a credit card fee. Yes. Just it, up your prices. Yes. The only time is like an eco fee. Yeah. A recycling fee or. A, yeah. And really, honestly, I would work personally. I would Same. still even work that into the price. Same. But it is kind of a cool thing to just Call so your out. clients know that's what you're doing because mm-hmm. it's a, the environmentally responsible thing to do. But ugh, I was like a water. And then this is where I've had a boss who would do this, set a timer yeah. to bring down the water bill. The comments were wild. People were like, why are you doing that? Work it into the cost. That's not something you charge extra for. And I was like, this, and people were like, don't be rude. This is his business. And I'm like, no, no people, be rude. No, that is not <laughs> acceptable. And then the thing that no one called out on this thread, at least when I saw it was setting a timer to the stylist. No. If my boss ever had come to me and said that, I'd have been like, "Here, give me a timer. I'm going to set it for five minutes because that's about the amount of time it's going to take for me to pack up my shit and get out of this place. I love you so much. You've got to be kidding no. me. That is absolutely ridiculous. Here's the other thing that my brain goes to is that that person is a business owner. You own a business and your logical thought process was to charge or set a timer. You couldn't analyze your business in another way and find the, a, a smart, logical way to work this into the pricing. And the one thing that you really cannot control the amount of in a salon. Yeah. You're, it's, it's a huge, it's, a, it's just, it's, I'm just baffled by someone's, which I don't want to negate that being a business owner costs it's insanely expensive especially with inflation right now and everything going on I don't want to negate that or that's not what I'm saying but to even think about a water fee first and then time your stylist for a a service that requires water that's I mean that would be like charging a plate fee at a a hairspray fee yeah or like if you want your food to come out on a plate Right. We have to wash the plate after, so therefore there's a plate fee. That is just... So any owners or managers, if you've been thinking about doing that, you need to listen to our entire series, our (laughs) entire podcast, because that that was wild. That's a wild one. That's one I haven't seen like that in a while. And I was like, okay, Mm. people still think like that. (laughs) It's nuts, man. So anyways, wanted to just touch on that. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. Well... Yes, listen to our previous episodes if if you align with that thought process. <laughs> um, but today is an episode that's been a long time coming yes. because everybody on the face of the earth is doing this right now, mm-hmm. um, should be doing this at all times. Yep. And I feel like every salon that we've done private workshops with, private consulting with, this is in the top two. Yeah. 
And I think right now we have a couple things going on culturally, socially Mm -hmm. that's happening that's really affecting, which we're going to be talking about hiring. And the big thing right now is we have, quote unquote, the great resignation happening. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just going to put my, because there's there's some political uh, uh, tied to this. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going off what I know and facts that I know and that is we are in a labor shortage Mm -hmm. it is not due to people not wanting to work or being lazy or getting COVID pay because apparently still people still think that and I don't know a single person who has gotten COVID pay who doesn't want to work because they're making more off unemployment that is not happening so we need to get our paradigm shifted into reality because that's not reality right now Um, but we are in a labor shortage yes, and that is a thing. And, uh, I just want to touch on that. So, because as we go into hiring processes, cause even my salon is looking for people and it's, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. It's really hard. Um, I think a couple of things are happening during COVID. A lot of people moved in the country and it is spreading out the population. We were on a trend where everyone was moving to very large cities and now it's the trend is going back to medium-sized cities like us and most of America. And so you have this uh, almost surge of a population in cities like ours in Bozeman where we've gained a very significant amount of population in the last like yourself. two to five years, like me. <laughs> but a lot of it is people in tech, people working remotely. So we're like Bozeman's gotten a massive, I would say we've probably gotten 20 to 25,000 people in the last two years. Yeah. But no new hairdressers. And COVID, even for my position, which is a business developer for Aveda, mm-hmm. COVID taught us to work in different ways. Yeah. Where previous to COVID, the only way that we knew to gain ground with a salon was to physically be there. Yeah. And being forced to learn these new tools of remote support and mm-hmm. all of these different ways that we can connect with people. Now you don't necessarily have to live where you work. And I think a lot of companies have experienced that. Yeah. Where we particularly live in Bozeman, a couple of interesting stats. There's 13,000 Google employees that moved to Bozeman and live here. Wow. 13,000 people live here but do not work in our community. Mm-hmm. And that's just one company. You yeah. know, there's we have Suit Enterprises. We yep. have Oracle. There's all these yep. tech companies around Bozeman that people live here in the community mm-hmm. but do not actively work. They work remotely for yep. somewhere else. The other thing that's interesting about Bozeman where we live is 60% of the population of Bozeman does not work. Wow. 60%. And it's this, because we have a huge uh, second home population, oh, uh, yeah. retired population, uh, a college student population, like the 60% of our population, and mm-hmm. um, I, I'm positive on this stat because I was just reading about it, and I'm like, that leaves a tiny portion, that 40% yeah. of people, to serve those 60%. I will say... That probably is is mostly people who don't live here full time. Yeah. So, because we don't have sixty percent unemployment rate. <laughs> no, it's not unemployment. It's people. It's who not people working, but people who don't don't have to, who don't work yeah. who are I are in a position in life where they no longer where mm-hmm. they're not working and not on unemployment. Yeah. 
like yes. wealthy enough that there's not yeah. a need for them. Yeah, we live in an area definitely where people have a lot of second, third, fourth homes because we live near a very nice ski resort, a lot of celebrities. People retire here. I mean, I've had so many clients who are like, yeah, we just wanted to get out of the city and yeah. we were going to retire. So we decided to do it a few years early and just bought a house here. So those people are that massive chunk of the population here mm-hmm. is partaking in services in the community. They go out to yep. eat. They get their hair done. They shop retail. Mm-hmm. They do all these things. But there's more of them than there are the 40% who yep. are actively working within services and this is not a knock on that we're not going any really further i guess into the political side of that it's just a reality now and a lot of people you know who are even you know a manager at starbucks or something are now leaving those kinds of jobs to work remotely and in tech Mm -hmm. because that is an industry that is expanding exponentially right now and so there's a lot of job opportunities and a lot of these big tech companies which is who we're really competing with now Mm -hmm. are providing amazing benefits and working remotely you can work from anywhere so a lot of young professionals are choosing that kind of work because it is more appealing absolutely and uh this is not the subject of what we're going on we are going to move into salon hiring i promise but i also think it's important to call out to that i do think the pendulum will settle somewhere in the middle yes because the pendulum has swung so far to this remote side you and i've talked about this before for a lot of people um their work environment is really important to their yep. social health yep. um, and human interaction. That's a really important part yep. for them. And so don't get me wrong. When COVID happened, I was the happiest girl on the face of the earth to not have to travel yeah. every week. I loved it for about four months. Yeah. And then I started getting weird and forgot that I had to wear bras in public. <laughs> like it was, you know, eventually yeah. you did settle somewhere in the middle. And that's where I am now where yeah. I travel every other week. You take on these new resources and tools, but you do still desire human connection. Yeah. And so I do think things will level yes. out. I think that our pendulum was just swung so far one yeah. way, so far the other. And then there's going to yeah. be some space over the next five years where we see things settle down a little. I 100% agree. And I think that's really important to recognize that that's what really we're up against as we begin the hiring process, especially for um, entry-level positions like guest care, Mm -hmm. which is probably going to be the most difficult to find work for. And I have a couple ideas for that. But just know that it's not a bad thing. No. But the world changes And this is one of those changes we just need to adapt to. We need to recognize, know what we're up against, and then, okay, how are we going to deal with this? Because I have a lot of friends who are in tech or in remote work, and it's like, man, that is nice. This industry is not suitable for that. Right, right. Um, So now that we've recognized that, let's say we've recognized that, we figured it out, and we're ready to hire. Yes. How does that look? Yes. So today's primary focus is definitely going to be around hiring um, staff for your current locations that you have. Um, So for me, there's two completely polar opposite paths that this goes down. One of them is if you have an existing business, an existing salon or spa, and you are adding team members to it. That's conversation A. Conversation B is having a new location or a location that does not currently have team members and you're building from scratch. Very different. Because the concept and the way you go about doing them is 
completely opposite. However, both of them start with a significant amount of pre-work. So let's talk about the pre-work that goes into um, before you're even ready to talk to a human being about hiring them, all of the work that needs to be put in place before that happens. Because this is the same one side or the other. Yep. So I have four stages in the hiring process. Stage one is pre-recruiting. Stage two is recruiting, stage three is the interviews, and then stage four is onboarding process. We'll go slightly go into onboarding, but that's kind of a whole episode on its own. So the pre-recruiting is possibly the most important part Mm -hmm. because it's where you're going to do a couple of things. You're going to determine your needs. And that is, I have known so many people who have gone into interviewing processes and put out ads because they know they need to hire someone, but what the needs are okay, we need a full-time stylist. Well, what else does that come with? You know, oh, we need help at guest care. Okay, how many hours do we need to fill? How many people do we need to fill that position? And I'm just going to say here, the danger of not doing that part of the pre-work is you find yourself adapting to the recruited Yep. Recruited's needs yep. Yep. rather than meeting your needs. Yes. And then you still have a gap. So oh now you have someone on payroll, yeah. but their lifestyle or what they can provide for you doesn't fill the actual need you had in the first place. Yep. So now we're just back in the same spot with more people on payroll. Yep. So I couldn't agree more. The number one thing to do is identify what are the need, take people out of it, mm-hmm. human beings out of it for a moment yeah. and actually map out what are the tasks that need to be done? Mm-hmm. What hours do they need to be done in? Mm-hmm. And what what is a rough outline of budgets that we're looking at for those positions? And I think, too, when you come up with your needs, especially when it comes to something like guest care, when you say, okay, we need someone for weekends. Well, how many hours? And yep. you need weekends and evenings. And those things need to be listed in recruiting pieces and, and ads and things like that. Because if you don't list that, you're going to get someone who's going to come in and be like, oh, I can only work nine to five, nine to five yeah. Monday through Thursday. And then you're like, well, shoot, no one else has applied, so I'm going to... Just we'll take, take this, this and, and we'll figure it out. A couple people can move, yeah. we can cover weekends. It, yeah. And now Disaster. you're just out more money mm-hmm. with the same problem on the table. Yep. Pay, compensation, hours, benefits, all that need to be predetermined before you put anything out. I agree. And the last thing I want to say with this is that it's important to, and we've talked about this in multiple other episodes, but sit back and envision and design your culture and hire to what you're trying to create rather than bringing people on and expecting or having them create it for you. So when you're looking at how do I want my guest care team to function, what does that look like for me in my ideal world? Design that culture, that schedule, how they interact, how they do their day-to-day job to meet your desired business Mm -hmm. vibe and then do the recruiting process to find the right people to fit it. If you don't have a super clear vision of exactly how you want the role to look and feel, Mm -hmm. when people come in, people are charming and you like people, you connect with people. So then you get like, well, yeah, we'll find a spot for her. She's awesome. She's cute, whatever. But if it doesn't meet your need, again, it's just like this messy thing. So you have to, be so clear on the type of person you're looking for and what your expectations are of them. I was just going to say it's actually next on my list. And it's actually typically the very first thing when we've worked with uh, companies in in, um, consulting or in my own businesses, 
the first thing I tell owners, the vision of the company mm-hmm. before actually before the needs of the role, you should have your vision and culture at your salon down and exactly be able to articulate what that is. Mm-hmm. So if someone comes in and says, what's your vision for your business in five years? You need to be able to come up with that on the spot and, and have already known that because, and I've said this before, when you interview, it's not just about fi- making sure they fit our culture. We want to make sure we fit theirs uh, because when it works mutually like that, the relationship lasts a lot longer. Yeah. And we all know, or I think most of us know, that the longer you can retain an employee, the higher profit you make from them. Yep. So on this last one, on this pre-work, pre-onboarding portion of it, um, if you don't know where to start or you are not confident in what you have established for the vision of your business and how to navigate what roles need to be filled, reach out to Philip and I. Um, We do lots of consulting for different companies where we kind of set up the pre-work for them and gave them like the template to work within. Um, You can contact either of us directly on Instagram, Philip Procopio, Jessica for six Saunders, mm-hmm. or you can email us at the beautiful hustle podcast at Gmail. And I don't mean that like a pitch. I genuinely mean yeah. uh, there, this has been a game changer for a yeah. lot of people from helping prevent them waste time and waste money. Yeah. I mean, every, not every, but a lot of problems and issues that come up through onboarding processes, through people's first and second year of employment with a company come could have been resolved if we figured that out during the hiring process. Yep. Hire right. Yep. It's as simple as that. And they know what they're getting into. Yep. You know what you're providing for the, it's just a really clear relationship. Sorry, this triggered one more thing. Also make sure that if you have a support team in our last call, our last conversation with Aaron Thompson, Mm. we talked about having a, resource or a relationship with somebody that can candidly give you feedback on how you're being interpreted in your business. Have somebody look at this too, or guide you, support you through this process with it. Because also we don't want to lay out false expectations for somebody. If you are not somebody who sees them, if really self-aware, it's hard to describe what working with you is like, because obviously you're in your own head. So also I think it's important that we get some outside eyes on those things so that things are pretty black and white. Yeah. Um, False advertising is the biggest disappointment when you bring someone on and a week later they're like, this is not what I was told. My last job. Stop it. Just saying. You said in New Year's you're moving on. I have. Okay. (laughs) Clearly. Okay. One last thing too of something we're working not against, but and and it helps, but just to know is TikTok. Yeah. And I'm telling you a lot of things that come up on my TikTok are, are hiring, recruiting, management related. And there's a lot of people on TikTok who are teaching people how to be an interviewee. Yeah. And what questions to come to an yeah. interview with. And I've had this where people come in and I'm like, wow, you know, we don't, th- not, this is not in a judgmental way, but t- 
typically we don't expect hairstylists to come in and be well informed enough to ask really smart, detailed questions in an interview process. But it's happening because they're learning through TikTok and Instagram how to be what questions to ask and and podcasts. Mm -hmm. But they're asking what questions to ask to find out like people. I saw this one TikTok not hiring related, but he was applying for an apartment in Australia and they asked him for his references and an application credit check, all that. And then he responded with, great. Can I have three references from your tenants of what you're like as a landlord? Hmm. I was like, damn. And I'm like, that is so true. Like imagine if an yeah. employee and the, and I've seen this in, in HR TikTok, as it's Some called nightmare of a landlord. Well, in, in HR TikTok, people have been like, you should ask to see, to talk to current employees who can vouch for their style of management. Yeah. And I'm like, I think that's going to be a thing coming up soon. Yeah. So you've, they're getting a lot smarter and savvy with the education that's happening on TikTok and Instagram and podcasts and all that good stuff. And we've got to be prepared for that. Yep. So pre-recruiting. Yep. Possibly. I mean, it's just like anything in life. Prep is most important. Yep. Cooking a meal is going to go so much easier if you have all your veggies prepped and cut, ready to go. So when you actually comes down to it, you can just put it all together. It comes together yep. easy and you don't have to think about it. And for the most part, this is something you work hard on once and then you're filling the role repeatedly. You know, yes. like this isn't something that you're starting from scratch all the time. Yep. This is one of those things that you lay the foundation and you know all the members of yep. your team that need to exist and then as people come and go you pivot a little bit but you work hard one time and then the system works for you when we're so we've we've always pushed things like knowing your vision knowing your culture knowing those things up front because really that's a lot of the work we do with other businesses is establishing that because once you have that everything falls into place once you have your like i always like to do three values for your company and every decision you make comes back to those three values. If it doesn't fit, it's out. Yeah. No questions asked. Yep. And it just makes things easier. Yep. All right. So we pre-recruiting. Now we're into the recruiting, which I think is the hardest part. Yes. So recruiting, um, recruiting can look similar to the, almost the same, of whether we're doing team A or team B, meaning mm. adding to a team or recruiting new team members. Yeah. Um, at this point, things still aren't too different. After this recruiting part, That once the interview starts, that's really where we see these things start to shift. So Totally. For me, the number one recruiting thing, that is a great piece of advice I got from Miss Carrie D- Davis Duffy, which we love, Miss mm. Guy LaRoute. I love Carrie. Um, is you're always recruiting. Always. When you have a full staff, you're recruiting. Mm. Someone's moving. Someone's retiring. Yep. Someone's changing careers. Someone's having babies. Mm-hmm. We're always, 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 always recruiting. Never yeah. stop recruiting. It is harder to get that wheel moving again mm-hmm. than it is to not. Yeah. So recruiting also depends on what resources you have within your business to train oncoming team members. Mm. So what I mean by that is if you have nobody in your business and you're recruiting everybody straight out of beauty school, there's a skill set level that Mm. is going to require support that if you don't have senior staff that is put in a position that is expected to train and support them through their growth, yeah. where there's going to be this gap unless yep. it's you, which it shouldn't be. No. And so 
that's part one. Part two is if you do have a senior staff and you do have a really great platform put in place for training and assistance programs and bringing people on, then beauty schools are a fantastic place to start with. So because you can bring them in and kind of mold them as they grow. So in our world at Aveda, we have our Aveda Institutes and what we host are our, uh, what are the industry days? Yeah. And um, industry days are a really great way. They happen three months before graduation date. And any salon that's a VEDA is invited to participate. Philip and I have done lots mm-hmm. of them via Zoom, so mm-hmm. you don't have to physically be there. Yep. Um, and I've gone and taught a class. Yeah. Like a lot of the institutes. The, the, a lot of times I've I just cold called. And been like, hey, can I come and do yeah. something as part of a recruiting thing? They love it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's like an afternoon off for them. Right. Teachers. And so what it is, is it's not that you're going to say something magical in that presentation mm-hmm. that's going to get one person. But when you do this regularly, quarterly, so once every three months, you have a presence in these local beauty schools, or even if they're more remote, but they're aligned with your brand, then you start establishing this reputation yeah. within the company. And really what you want is those directors, those mm-hmm. instructors yep. to have a great relationship with you because you know what it's like when you're in beauty school. For the most part, you take heavily what your instructors say. Yeah. And when they're like, you would be a great fit for yeah. well, whatever it is, you, t- you listen to them. So I do think there is an important piece of it to having a relationship with beauty schools. Absolutely. That is not your only channel of recruiting. It's just yeah. a small part of it, which we're going to talk about the rest of it now. However, the one thing I want to say with beauty schools is do not show up when you need somebody. Yeah. You have to have an ongoing consistent yes. relationship. By the time someone's graduated, they should have seen you two or three times yep. in there doing a fun hands-on class for yeah. them, a business presentation mm-hmm. and a Q&A get to know our team. Yeah. You know, like these don't have to be crazy big things, but having a presence in these schools makes you a pillar of the industry in that particular community. And I think it's a great opportunity to showcase your personality, mm-hmm. what you're about, and that will weed out a lot of people yeah. and will get the attention of a lot of people that maybe wouldn't have just off a social media ad or an ad on Indeed or yeah. you know whatever it may be. And the thing is, is we've talked about this before, these days people are not joining solely based on benefits and status and location anymore. Again, we're in a world where everyone's moving across the country for work. Mm -hmm. And so I could be doing these at the Tallahassee, Florida Institute and get 20 recruits and do this at the, what's the closest, Provo, which is just a few hours away and get no one because distance is no longer an issue anymore, really. Mm -hmm. And this is a great way to get, to have people get to know you because people are going off. They want to work with people. They are going to be in relationship with, like we've talked about with social media. And once the pendulum really swings back more over in the middle, people want crave relationship. And in a day where we don't have that human connection as much anymore. So they want, not to have a friend, but to have a great working relationship. Yeah. And that's so important these days. It really trumps a lot of things when it comes to why someone's going to choose to work in a place and or stay, which is the big one. Yeah. So let's talk about recruiting uh, established stylists. 
So pivoting away from somebody who is graduating out of beauty school, because again, I think really the best way to do that is to have an ongoing relationship with them and have a strong social media presence because that's the only way they're going to get to know you. That's really the truth of it. And there's a million other, if somebody wants to go down that road, like I can, I'm happy to have that conversation with them. This just triggered one random memory. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things we do with one of my salons, Risha's and Whitefish is every graduating class, they run a contest, um, I think it's like a retail contest they run in the salon and the prize is the winner gets to come have a full spa and blow hair day at Risha's salon. So the student gets to come in and experience our services. Oh, wow. And we really do that because A, I want the top retailer. Yeah. (laughs) And then, uh, but also they come in and they can experience what our industry really is like and they go back to school and they're like, this place was beautiful. They were super cool. They were so nice. Or That's great. Yeah. So little things like that, but all of that still goes in with having an ongoing relationship. We can't do that when we need somebody. Yeah. You have to have that set up you know, once a quarter that they can run a contest and you'll mm-hmm. facilitate the prize. I love Anyways, that. Anyways, moving away from that, on to establishing existing guests. Yeah. Um, there is this gal. She's really amazing. She's talented. Um, she's smart. Her name is Stephanie Fox. Do you, are you familiar oh, with I love Stephanie. Yeah. yeah, she did a class here on millennials. Yeah. When I didn't think I was a millennial. <laughs> and I went and I was like, yeah, let's learn about these stupid millennials. And then she's like, and she said the birth years. And I was like, oh, damn. Here you are. Here I am. <laughs> um, yeah, she's fantastic. And she does a whole program on recruiting. And she's really a big advocate <gasps> of Indeed. We should have her on. I was just thinking that. I'll message her. Yeah. Um, but Indeed's she, like my first one. Yeah. She's yeah. a big advocate of Indeed. I am going to say out loud, it does matter a little bit where you live, how much traction Indeed is getting. That's true. Um, but Indeed is a really great place because the plat- the way Indeed works, the platform measures their success rate by placing people in employment. Mm. It's not like... Um, I don't know if ZipRecruiter does that, but it's not like Craigslist or something where it, there's no connection to it. Yeah. Like Indeed has a conversion rate yes. that they need to keep that number up. I used it a lot at my last place and we got a Tons, probably yeah. 90% of our spa came from Indeed. Yeah. And especially again, when distance isn't a huge factor and people are looking specifically <laughs> like, oh, and this is very specific to our place, but we got a lot of people with interest living live here, here because yeah. of the outdoor scene, because it's a higher Let's be honest, end area. It's from this show, Yellowstone. Well, that is a lot <laughs> of it. And so we get a lot of interest in Bozeman. So you have a lot of massage therapists who I feel like are the most nomadic yeah, of the departments within the salon spa world. And so they're going to be looking for specific places and, you, and we used it a lot and they're very detailed in how did this interview go? Did you recruit yes. this person? Why didn't you get this person? Why did you hire this person? And you can't move on. It was kind of annoying sometimes. I'm like, I just want to be I done see, with this. Yeah. I got the person. Let me yeah. go. But they indeed is one of the most <coughs> successful conversion rates from yeah. posting position to hiring position. So that's why really I think indeed is a great yeah. resource. And real quick, great for front desk because we got quite a bit of front mm-hmm. desk through there too. And I always thought of indeed as like a more higher end professional site not oh, really? for entry level as much yeah, i thought it more entry levelly. but i am also a little older and so yes you are some of this new sh- back in my day <laughs> we put an ad in the newspaper <laughs> and nobody replied weird i haven't gotten any responses from my full page newspaper ad <laughs> diana 
<laughs> Deanna, we know you're listening. Get out of the yellow pages. Get out of the... Mo- Have I said that on here yeah, yet? When yeah. she wanted to do... I was like, really, girl? 2018 and you want a yellow, yellow page, page ad? <laughs> I love it so much. But yeah, so in, any of those are yeah. great. But I, I do personally like Indeed the best because yeah. of that conversion rate that they have. Um, the other thing that I think is really great for um, ex- recruiting existing established stylists stylists is being an active participant in the industry in your community. Yes. So what I mean by that is going to hair shows, going to events, um, going like us in Aveda, Philip and I are very affiliated with Aveda. We live in a hard bubble where we pretty much just do Aveda stuff all day, every day. And it's important for all of us to go to other brands classes we need to show up at other brands classes that are hosted through the local supply stores, those type of things. And we also need to invite other brands to our Aveda classes that we do. Yes. So being a prominent member in your community for demonstrating education, sharing resources, all those kinds of things. Um, There's a couple great salon relationships that I have here in Bozeman that are non-Aveda affiliated at all. Same. And when we have like a great business person come in or something, of course we like to collaborate together and they do the same. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we're stealing each other's employees, but if someone isn't a good fit for your company, it doesn't mean they're not a great employee it just means they don't align with you well there's so many it's nice to know people outside of your business to be able to say you know this person wasn't a great fit for us however i think they would thrive there because well and it's just a nice thing to do in your community to be involved because this industry especially can be so competitive and like our salon is the best compared to your salon and um so it's nice to have that relationship. Like one of the best things to get involved with other salons is one of two things. A uh, not promotional, uh, mm-hmm. like Earth Month. Act it out. Uh, whoa, this is crazy. Earth Month donation Char- fundraiser charity fundraiser. Okay. Yeah, thank okay. you. Wow. <laughs> Um, do a fundraiser together and it's great advertising for both. We did, um, in great falls, we did a -a cutathon years ago, 24 hour cutathon with like three different salons Mm -hmm. and it was great. The other one that's really easy to get other salons in. And again, not don't go into this with the idea of recruiting, go into this with the idea of relationship Yeah, and later down the line, Again, if someone will serve you because we and I've said too, if someone's at my team is not a good fit, I want them to be a good fit for someone. Um, Hanzo cutting classes. Yeah, they travel all the time and do cutting classes to sell their shears. They're great shears. They have uh, financing available. And like we did one and like six different salons came. Yeah. So stuff like that, that I yeah. think is great. And it just shows, um, you know, every salon's different culture and different vibe that people can get yeah. a part of. Um, and then the last thing for recruiting existing team members that I think is important is your social media presence. Mm. Oh, I'm ready to dive into that one. Yeah. Uh, because I'm going to be real. What was I looking? Oh, Trent and I are looking at booking a little baby. Oh. <laughs> oh. I spilt the beans. Do we want to edit that out? No, we can say it. Okay. I mean, remember my doctor said it's happening. That's <laughs> so I'm pregnant. Hey. 
I'm doing when? Uh, doing, I'm doing 12 weeks. So like it's actually happening this time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry. We're not going to have another Buzzkill episode. Well, I'm wondering if some people were like, she's been sick a lot lately. Because every episode sick. we've talked about how sick you've been. Yeah. So I've been deathly ill for six months. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm having a baby girl. Um, eviction day is June 21st. <laughs> I have not heard that. Because I saw the funniest meme. It was like, if you're a C-section baby, you don't have a birthday. You have an eviction day. Oh, shit. <laughs> you got served papers. She's out. So, yes, we're having oh a baby God. girl, June 21st. Yes. Super excited. Um, I do feel good now. Um, we've got, I'm 27 weeks. So, we've got like 12 weeks left. Super oh excited. So, spilled the beans. Okay. That's okay. Um, uh, but... Trent and I were looking at a baby moon to go on a little vacation oh. before baby comes. And then I went to Instagram. Yep. And I searched Arizona resorts. Yep. And like, think of, I went to get, I wanted to find a new nail tech, which mm-hmm. I love her. Oh, those look nice. I know. Um, and I went to Instagram. Yep. Um, Instagram is it's the, the search new engine now. Google. It, it is. Everyone, first it thing is. I do, uh, if any clients are listening, I have looked you up on Instagram. Yes. If I have a new client, I go to Instagram, see up. if they have an Instagram, see what their hair is like. I did that yesterday yeah. for a woman's hair I was going to do. Cause, yep. um, and I even, I looked her up because I'm like, I got to see what I'm getting into. I've yeah. never met this woman. I've never talked to her. And that's where I went. It is. Uh, and, so, and so. This is, I've seen so many bad Instagrams for salons. And so this is why as a salon it's important your Instagram reflects who you are. I'm not saying you have to have Philip Procopio's Instagram because his is like magical and perfect and like <laughs> okay. rainbow butterflies. It's beautiful. Yours well, is beautiful. You're you. very talented though, A, at hair and all that stuff, but also at tech stuff. Like you yeah. are very talented in that arena and so it's fun for you. Yeah. Someone like me, I'm like, I post pictures of Aveda and my kid. It's yeah. not. I'm not talented in like the vision of photography and stuff like mm. that. But I do feel like my social media still reflects yeah. who I am. Yes. And it doesn't have to be this perfectly curated. Yeah. So that's why I want people to step away from yeah. the like ugh, reaction of it being so curated. It just has to be a great representation of who you are. Yes. And mm-hmm. I mean, we could, this could be an entire thing, but I promise you, I yes. promise you, the first thing someone does when they think yep. about applying to your location yep. is look you up on social media. I promise yes. you. And if you're not good at it, hire someone. Here's the thing. And this is every salon, almost every salon across America right now has someone under the age of 30. Yeah. Get them to help you. Because I guarantee you they are going to know what to do automatically and then you just give them that little bit of guidance of what you're looking for if you don't know at all if you don't beyond hiring get into some classes about social media yeah because it is the number one tool a salon owner and manager can have across the board for anything any department any reason marketing retail hiring culture leadership Everything. Your guest, the first thing they do before they decide to come to you is look yep. you up on Instagram. Your staff, the first yep. thing they do before they decide to apply is look you up on Instagram. I've had clients who are like, my second cousin follows you. <laughs> yeah. 
who lives in New Jersey. Yeah. What? Like it, 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 it's the, again, the first thing I cannot stress this enough. I'm going to say it's the number one recruiting tool. Number one. I'm going to say it. First thing, anyone who is even, if they see you on Indeed, if they see you in yeah. B school class yes. presentation, if someone's a, if one of your current team members says to another local hairstylist, hey, we're hiring, you should think about coming here. Or I work at blah, blah, Or I work at blah, blah, blah. First thing people do is jump on Instagram. And it's been around for 10 plus years. Social media has been around now for 20 years. If you are, and this is said with, as Aaron Thompson put with it, light and light. And light. If you're resistant to social media, get over it. Yeah. Because you're, it just in 2022 and beyond, your business will not survive and grow unless you are just a little sweet. Unless there's a different strokes for different folks, yeah. for sure. Uh, again, my mom. She's 72. So I was going to say, if you're a little older and in a suite, let's and give just the lady like her not a big credit deal. when due. Yeah. She doesn't want anyone. No. She, she needs her clients to pass on so she can retire. But if you need guests, which I don't want, know a lot who don't need guests. If you want to grow yeah. at all, then you have to be present yes. on social media. But I think the big thing that we want to hit with this is it has to represent your company yeah. in entirety. It cannot just be a few great shots of hair. Yeah. It cannot just be a couple pictures of shampoo that you use. Yep. Like you really have to curate a page that to the best of your ability communicates uh, the vibe of your team, doing cute, fun team stuff, little lunch break, fun things yes. like Philip and his team, follow Philip at Philip Acropio on Instagram, but they're always doing pranks where they scare each other yeah. and they put them on their story. So it's not like it's on their feed, but when you're on the story, you can always mm-hmm. see this like kind of fun family based environment. And you understand that they're a small knit group yeah. that has great relationships with each other. And then you go to the feed page and there's beautifully curated artwork yeah. with really nicely put together promotions of the brand that they carry. So I'm not, we're not telling you like you have to be one way or the other with it, but what you do have to do is strongly communicate who you are with it. Yeah. It can't just be a page of product and hair. No. The amount of hair pages that are out there, no one cares about that. Like even again, a different episode, but even just to get more guests in your chair, it can't just be hair photos because people, even as a guest want relationship. Yes. And there are some who just want to go to someone for technically great hair. Great. Majority of my photos are hair for that reason. And, but what I'm going to say with yours is yours aren't just hair shots. It's really fun, like transition videos before and after. Again, you're tech savvy. So if you're not tech savvy, befriend someone like Philip and have him make videos for you. (laughs) (laughs) But my page is specifically created for a very specific reason. And that's more my education side. So right. you'll see the before and afters with formulas and the breakdown. Because that's your target market. That's my target audience. Now, if I were recruiting guests... It would be different. The The captions would be totally different. Photos might be a little bit different. If you're a salon and you're, you have to really think about your goal with your social media. Is it going to be, and it can change. Yeah. Is it recruiting guests? Is it getting existing guests in more often? Is it, are you now in a recruiting phase where you need to hire people? Because again, the first thing you're going to do that those first nine 
photos yep. needs to tell a story of who you are, who your team is. In entirety. And what it's like working there. Yeah. So when I teach and I go to a salon, I look up the salon first because mm-hmm. I want to know what kind of team are they? Am I going to go in and it's a fun, funky team and I'm like, I can go in and just be like, boom, 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 jokes and fun and still teach. Or is it an older team where I need to go in with like really savvy ways to be creative and engage people who've been doing this a long time? Yeah. Is it, you know, and those are the kinds of things that people, that new recruits are going to be looking at. Am I going to go work for this team that's fun and I'm and they they look like me and I'm going to fit in or is it going to be something totally different? Like yep. if you're again recruit for the needs that you have and what you want to build your culture around. So if you're the this like really fun punky salon and show it. S- show it. If you're showing brunettes and blondes maybe not the best representation of yourself. I had a, the client I had in my chair yesterday um, was telling me her daughter is very, um, I don't remember the word she described. She said she's very zoomies. Zoomies? <laughs> yeah. You know, like that. Oh yeah. Door. And I'm like, like emo or like punk. Cause like skater punk is what ways. I would think. Yeah. And so she showed me some pictures of her and I'm like, Oh, okay. Okay. I've got the great, a great salon for her yeah. velvet here. In oh Boston. yeah. I'm like, they're, funky they're yeah. fun they're edgy there's no like uh commercial work coming out of there yeah where so i think it, that was easy for me to make that reference to her because the yeah. vibes aligned so you just want people to be able we'll stop beating this dead horse but you just want people to be able to look at your social media yeah. and align with it or not either yeah. way is cool but it needs to represent yourself honestly enough and inclusively with everything that you are. So if you are a stylist, then you could potentially be inspired to work there. And I also am going to remind you with this too, you are always recruiting. So you don't just amp up your social media and do like all inclusive posts when you're hiring. It's it's a pattern that continually happens because also stylists are going to follow you from other salons Mm -hmm. and it might not be today's business. They might love where they are and be happy. Um, And then three years later, they might change brands and not align with them anymore. And now they're curious about going somewhere else and they remember you because you've been showing up on their feed regularly in a way that they did align with. So again, recruiting is always happening. Your social media is your greatest representation of who you are and your relationships outside of that are what are going to channel people to your social media. I'll end with the three things I look for on a social media page that most guests, recruits, an educator, a random person is going to look for. Yep. Um, of course, hair. Yeah. Or whatever, whatever your specialty you is. If your lashes, if your makeup, whatever it is. But we want to see your work. That's obviously the number one thing people are going to yep. go for, especially guests, but even um, new recruits. They're going to be like, what kind of hair do they do? Am I because I have a very specific style of doing hair and I would not do well in a salon that does perms and a lot of older people, no matter how nice it is. Yeah, I do a lot of blondes, a lot of long hair. So we want to see what kind of work you do. We want to see what products you use Mm -hmm. and how into that brand you are. So especially for majority of our listeners and us, Aveda, um, we want to see where you are in the Aveda. You know, are you posting pictures about that, the products, and not just product pictures, or what are you saying about the products? Yeah. And then the third thing is culture. And again, 
constantly ongoing. Of course, you can amp it up a little bit with a hiring post. Yeah. And, but, yeah, but I want to see some behind the scenes. I want to see faces. The amount of That's what drives me most nuts on social media pages for salons is when I can't see faces of people that yeah. work there. Yeah. I want to see who works there. I want to see what they look like on an average day what it's going to be like to work there. I want to leave your social media page with a really good idea of what an average day working there, whether it's through your story, story highlights, a a behind the scenes post. Mm -hmm. Again, anyone really under 30 is going to be able to put together a decent reel of behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And almost guaranteed that's going to get you the most engagement and the most likes from your guests as well because they love seeing the faces of the people they see every day when they go in there i agree so okay cool biggest section again it is the hardest and well we're gonna say every section is the most important (laughs) yeah but third stage that we'll talk about and final one is the interview process yes And again, this is one where it can go really south really fast. Yep. And with this interview process, uh, I'm going to, again, kind of break it up in two categories. There's ideal world. Yeah. For me and my locations that I coach to, ideal world is we have hiring windows. So Mm. we promote like April 12th through 24th. We'll be conducting interviews to join our team. Um, and we will clump together yes. all of our new recruits into this like one week or two week time frame so that we can onboard and train them all together in the most cost effective way. Yes. That is great for people who are not desperate for staff. Mm-hmm. Um, desperate might be a little dramatic word, but who are not like we need people on the floor now yeah. for people who are just feeding their business yeah. in a healthy way. Those hiring windows that happen four times a year are really awesome for reducing your onboarding costs and your training costs because you'll clump them all together. And that's something to think about that I totally, you just like made me realize we uh, in Great Falls, we had to be very conscious of when we brought on groups of people or even sometimes just one. Of course, if someone randomly in July wants to come work for us and they'd be a great fit, yeah, we'll take them obviously. But the windows are important because especially if you're doing a lot of new talent straight out of beauty school, we decided years ago, we do not have the mental capacity or energy to do new training the first three months of training in the summer. It's too busy. It's just not in the cards for us. We're so busy. It is half the people want to be outside on vacation. The current stylists are not, I don't want to say as focused because of course we're focused on our guests, but there is a lot of like this weekend I want to go hiking and I want to be outside and a new recruit is going to be the same way. So that is not the best time to do onboarding in July when we're closed for several days for 4th of July. We close a day for like a, a team float trip and then we don't do any education in the summer very rarely. Um, so you got to think about those windows. That's where I think when it comes to like, uh, new talent somebody yeah. who's not been part of the industry promoting your four hiring windows yeah like i would even say out loud we hire um people i, I mean i can't think of the word off the top of my head but like inexperienced i would change the verbiage around that to something yeah. more thoughtful but like uh new talent mm-hmm. new who needs to go through the entire training program four times a year here are yeah. those higher windows yeah that's when you would sign up for your interview if we you decide to join our team 
then you would move forward from there. Yeah. That's that like uh, straight out of beauty school team member or somebody who needs to start from the ground up. Yeah. Option one. Option two is somebody who um, is established or is it like you said, comes to you out of the blue mm-hmm. or just found you on social media and wants to join your team. And it's maybe not during when you're hiring windows, but they don't need this ground up building. Yeah. Um, those are the people that I think for me, let's go through like the interview mm-hmm. process time, what that would look like. The conversation I think is the least valuable part of any interview. The like sit down, tell me about yourself, mm-hmm. to, tell me about your history. I think that conversation is honestly the least informative piece because I'm very charming. I'm the best interviewer you will ever meet and interviewee. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you will always see people at their, their best. very best. Or the opposite, if somebody isn't as extroverted as myself, yeah. then they come across standoffish or shut down or weird mm-hmm. and weird's not nice to say, but, but that's not the truth of them. That's just the setup of the environment yeah. doesn't allow them to thrive. So I th- honestly, the conversation's the least valuable part for me, but I do think it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, with established artists, what I do is I have them come in and participate in our company for a week. Mm. Um, a week, a week. Okay. Because of course day one, yeah. Ever, we tell everyone, Hey, we've got a new recruit coming in tomorrow. Brush your hair. <laughs> wear lipstick like you know everyone looks good yeah. and, like they need to see the reality of it yeah um to understand if this is what they want to participate in so again i'm gonna go back to what your current staff your current team is doing is going to be more indicative of what this new hire does than anything you do or say or train them to in the interview process. People are going to join your company regardless of what you say to them in the interview or in the onboarding or in the training. I promise you they're going to look around at what other team members are doing and go, oh, this is what we do here. Or this is what we, lack of a better word, get away with. Or this is the level of work that is expected. It's either going to push them up to a level of expectation or show them where they can maybe fall short. So, the number one thing with recruiting an established person is working really hard to make sure your current team represents those values and who you are all day, every day when someone's looking and when someone's not looking. That's the number one thing. I like people to come in for a week and do um, some shouts that they can bring in some models if they'd like, if they want to actually do hair and participate in hair, they can assist. There's lots of different ways we can incorporate them and they're not coming for full days, you know, maybe like four hours, Mm. Uh, you know, little chunks or something, but that way everybody gets to meet them. Everybody gets to interact with them. They get to see what our flow looks like at the end of that week. That's when I sit down with them and I tell them what stood out to our company that aligns with you. That Mm. is something you would want to be a part of. Was there anything you observed within our company that you felt like you didn't align with? Yeah. And that's when I'll have the conversation that I think at that point matters. Yeah. Because the conversation beforehand, they don't know, Mm-hmm. us from anything else that they've had before. Yeah. I think they have to see us, taste us, smell it, experience it. Yeah. And then they can make an honest decision of if they want to be part of this or not. Yeah. Before that, they're just going off of what they've seen on the internet, what they think they may know about yeah. us. Yeah. You, you know, and I think it's like pulling that curtain back yeah. and showing them within that week. Also, one other thing that I think is important is to host a couple, um, 
like meet and greet, if you will, lunches. Hmm. So like, um, I'm assuming like your team is working split shifts or something like that Mm -hmm. and having two lunch opportunities where we as a company will bring in lunch for everyone and that we, everyone can sit down and like get to know each other, talk about the industry, whatever. Um, so that they can establish those relationships or connections. And then I will also take feedback from the team Hmm. at the end of that week of, yeah, 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 I've done that a lot. I've never done a week. I personally, I feel like that's too long. I'm intense, man. You know this. Well, yeah, we all know. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 for me, the reason I went from, we used to do it like one day and then we did three days. The reason I, and I'm talking like maybe like uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah. you know, like something like that is because again, those introverted people that I felt like she was awkward and just stood with her hands in her pocket the whole time. Yeah. It takes them a minute to get comfortable. Yeah. Or the person who's a good actress, me, and is on a game day one. And then if you see that slip in the interview, I can only imagine yeah. where this is going with the career. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I definitely, I have three steps in my interview process. The conversation, which I have lots of thoughts on that. I, it's not as important. I, I'd rather hire, honestly, rather than doing a 45 minute hour long interview of the bullshit of strongest uh, uh, or your greatest What's an asset in your, overcome yeah. in your life. That's uh, we all know those. We, uh, I've honestly, I've even very rarely come across someone in the interview process who can't even answer that with a great answer. Right. Like we all know to take the worst trait and make it a positive. Like yeah. what's your biggest opportunity area to work on? Ooh, I'm I an over, I overwork. <laughs> and so sometimes I have to like force myself to take a step back. Like we all know those, you yeah. turn it into a positive. Yeah. Um, I think there are some great things you can ask and, and get there. Then I go to a uh, shadow day, mm-hmm. especially front desk. You, people need to shadow at front desk because people, unless you have worked at guest care before, very, very, very few people understand what it is like to work a salon You're front totally desk. You're totally right. Especially a larger, so if you have more than... 15 to 20 hairstylists, even under, it is wild and no one ever is prepared for it. Yeah. They see like, oh, I'm going to work in a salon and everyone will be pretty and they don't realize the intensity of it. That's really, really right. Over the years, we have had people who shadowed and come back and said, you know what? I can't. This isn't for me. I can't stand that much. I thought this was going to be a lot of people and it's just different. This is not less than, but a lot of people do think of like a dentist or doctor's office reset and where you're going to sit. And most salons I know you're you're not sitting, you're hustling, you're greeting, you're getting you're there's a lot to it. And so, um, especially, you know, if someone, uh, like we had one gal one time who had a bad knee and she never even thought to bring it up in the interview, we didn't recognize it. And, hour two and a half of her shadowing she had to sit and yeah. couldn't move and then and she bowed out and we sure. were like great like we didn't want this to be bad on you also um and yeah i i haven't had a team i mean maybe it's the teams i've worked with but i haven't had a team where like oh we need to put on a show for a new recruit <laughs> but i work in i've worked in really busy salons where we're just like we don't even notice we're just like doing our own thing that's not true what your last one Oh, yeah. I mean, there were some who were just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> there, but, there were some like, okay, we've got someone coming in. Brush your hair that day. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but again, that's not, 
an interview fault. That's no culture that's fault. Culture and that's fault. that's, that's, that's di- what I. That's mean. a different episode. <laughs> that's what I mean by like. Yeah. People are going to look at yeah. what your current team is doing and decide that's what they will believe. They're not going to yeah. believe what they say or read on paper. No. So, and then the last part is going to be technical. Some pe- I've gone back and forth even in my career of like, do we do a technical? Because there are times where I'm like, honestly, I can train anyone into the way. Over the years, I've definitely learned, especially with an experienced stylist, I want to see their workflow and what areas are going to fit in because the salons I've worked in, again, it's all what you need, what your culture is, but everyone I've worked with, like the shampoo and the experience is so important. So I need to know, which is harder to train someone in than doing a technical, a technical haircut. Yeah, It's harder to get someone to be into the experience side, like hair spa, luxury shampoo, the way you talk to your guest. That all comes out very quickly in the first technical. I'm not really looking at your technical skills. Yeah. I'm looking at your customer service skills. Yeah, and I think that comes with two parts. That can come with the character in them. I yeah. really like, Yeah. but we've got to work through some of those pieces yeah. because same, when I came to Aveda, I was a hot mess hairdresser who did not have the right verbiage. Who yeah. I was good at customer service, yeah. but I didn't have like luxury language. Yeah. And I've learned all of that through my training with Aveda. Yeah. So Aveda can, or whatever brand you choose to work with, but definitely for us, Aveda can elevate you as a professional really efficiently. Yeah. Um, so that's the awesome thing about that shadowing and seeing them mm-hmm. do services yeah. is you can see when it's like they're engaged and they care. They're just rough around the edges. Totally. That we can polish all day. Exactly. But like lack sloppy, not really paying, doesn't really care. Yeah. That one, I don't have success training through. A hundred percent. And so those are my three. I want to give, because um, we're getting into a long episode, I but I want to give a couple things for the actual interview process that yes. will make it easier because this is definitely my wheelhouse and my background and it, the whole purpose of this show is, you know, a lot of people don't have that background in business to understand the finite details of this and interviewing is hard. Yeah. So uh, first thing, uh, three sections in the interview, the intro where you're going to introduce yourself. You're going to give an agenda for the interview. I think that a lot of times people are so nervous, like you were talking about, they can't come out of their shell because they're like, what's going to be next? How long is this going to last? What's going to happen in this interview? And that's something a lot of people don't go through. Be like, hi, I'm Phil. I'm the owner, the general manager, whatever. Um, We're going to be doing this interview for about 30 to 40 minutes today. I'm going to ask you some questions. Um, We're going to ask some technical questions. And then I am going to give you some time at the end of this. You can ask me any questions you have. And I'm open to any question. Just a really simple outline Mm -hmm. will calm so many nerves. Because you don't want to see someone at their most nervous. You're going to, you want to see them when they feel comfortable. And that's when their true characteristics are going to come out is when they feel comfortable. Yep. Um, then we're going to go into the questioning. No more than 20, 30 minutes. Oh my God. I thought I you were saying 20 questions. I'm like, Oh my no. God. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, 20 minutes. There yeah. are interviews that have lasted hours and I'm like, this is crazy. Um, you go start with general, then you go into technical. You want it to increase in difficulty as it goes. Yeah. Again, you want to ease them into it so they're comfortable. And then a lot of people don't ask for clarification. They would just take it at face value. And, you know, if someone's talking about, and you can ask those questions, like, tell me about a time you got bad feedback from a manager. 
get that information. And then I always like to ask, how did that make you feel? Because that'll really give a really great insight into how they're going to take feedback, how they're going to deal with a difficult guest. It's not necessarily about what happened because everyone gets bad feedback. Sure. Everyone's messed up on a haircut. I don't care about that. I want to know how you took the feedback, how you are coaching, how do you, and when you ask someone, how do you feel about that? They're going to say how they feel Mm -hmm. right away Mm because you can't really, and most people aren't prepared for that. So they're not going to have a predetermined answer of like, oh, I felt great. And it made me really motivated to do better. Like people are going to go with their first instinct a lot of the times. Yeah. Um, And then give them time for their questions. Because people have, and if you let them know ahead of time that they're going to have an opportunity for questions, they will probably already be thinking through the interview process what they're going to ask. Yep. And one thing I would like everyone to write down is when you're inviting them for questions, you're going to say, what questions do you have for me? Yes. Not do you have any. do you have any questions for me? And So we want to position all of these statements as what questions do you have for me? What observations have you made? What like create a platform that yes. encourages them to engage? Yes. No closed-ended questions. Don't ask yes or no. Any of your questions, have you done this? Yes. Don't also give away a lot of the answers you want. Yeah. So I, I see a lot of people like, oh, here at Blank Salon, we're really about teamwork and we are we love to help each other and we do a lot of education. What do you What do you value? Oh, I love teamwork and education. Oh my God, it's a perfect match. <laughs> well, of fucking course it is. You just told them the answer. Yeah. So ask questions like, what do you value in a workplace? What are you looking for in culture of the place you want to work at? Because that'll give you a really good idea of who they are and are you going to align? Yeah. And then also always answer salary and compensation questions right away. Yes. Nothing drives me crazier, especially this is more in corporate world, but when they won't tell you Jack until the last interview and then it's just and you're like, no, that's not going to work out. Get rid of them. The first, if they're not willing to get on your compensation and salary or pay structure within that first interview, then no. So don't ask what's your strongest and weakest no. I'm so over that question and everyone has the perfect answer. Don't ask it. Ask about what they value. That is one of the biggest questions that gives me such insight onto who they are and how they're going to be as a worker, an employee, and a teammate is what they value. Yeah, I agree. Some of the things I like to ask in interviews too are what um what are things that happen that make a good day, make it a good day for yes, you? Yes. What I does like a that. good day look like for you? And then what does a challenging day look like mm-hmm. for you? Um, One question I like that's come up is where will you need the most help starting out? That's a great one. Right? Mm-hmm. I just found that one and I was like, oh, shoot, that's good. Because mm-hmm. if it's a new talent, it's going to be different than an yeah. experienced. And, and again, some people you won't know, like, I. You know, if even an experience, someone, someone moving to town, well, I'm obviously going to need help recruiting, recruiting yeah. and getting new guests in my chair. Great. We're prepared for that. Yeah. Or I've never worked in an environment like this, so I don't know how to work with an assistant. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Mm-hmm. Or it'll bring up those questions where when something's very different, they'll let you know ahead of time. So then you're not surprised. Like, well, how do you not know how to work with an assistant? Right. So... I love that. That's a good one. And then um, if you work, one other thing that I found 
if you were uh, interviewing with a team of people, mm-hmm. like at my salon in Great Falls, we worked, there was usually like two or three of us interviewing. Yep. Introduce everyone yeah. and what they do, why they're there. Let them ask questions and prep them. Because I've been in interviews and I've done this where we're all ready and I have the resume and I have all my just stuff well. prepared. And then the other two are just sitting there twiddling their thumbs because we I didn't prep them yeah. and they don't know what they're doing and why. So prep them. This is so-and-so. Here's a copy of their resume like an hour before, not yeah. as they're walking in. Here's, I'm going to ask these questions. Come up with two questions for yourself. Um, introduce them. Who are they? Why are they important to you before the e- interview even begins? Again, we want to get our interviewee as comfortable yeah. as possible and feel good. So they're more relaxed and they're going to give more true statements. Yep. So I love it. That's, that's awesome. interview. That's hiring. That's the start of hiring. Then, yeah. Then the Ooh. real work begins with the onboarding, oh, which onboarding. we're not getting into today because no. that's an entire episode. And I know we've been going, we've been talking for a long time here, but we've been talking for a long time because this is the lifeline mm-hmm. to your business. This uh, we've said it multiple times on here, but this is happening all the time, yeah. every time. Not when you need to fill a seat, but you are always yeah. recruiting, and all three of these buckets are part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the lifeline to your business yeah. that will make or break what the future looks like. So it's really yeah. important that you take some time, sit down and figure out how does this fit into my at least weekly focus yeah. on growth of my company. Yeah. Do the prep work. It makes everything so much easier. Go in knowing what you need, what you want, and it will just you're going to go through less new employees when you hire right the first time and I've worked for someone who was in that desperate mode of just hire whoever I don't care the warm body it never never and I repeat never works out yeah when you just hire for warm bodies and it it just doesn't yep so well we hope you guys learned some stuff from us Uh, again if this is something you need some support with Philip and I are more than help are more than happy to help you through that process. You can follow him at Philip Procopio on Instagram, or you can follow myself at Jessica four zero six Saunders S A U N D E R S. Um, DM us there, and we'd be happy to set up a consult with you and see how we can best support you in hiring some great team members. We always appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you at the next episode. Until next time, stay beautiful and keep hustling. <laughs>